Heavenly Father, you give to us the keys of eternal life. Reveal their particularity to us this morning, we pray, in your word and in our hearts, for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. One of the things that I particularly enjoy doing is uh, going for a walk, particularly like going up mountains. And um, on one particular occasion, I was going to visit some friends in Kirby Stephen, and I decided I just needed a quick stomp up the hills before I arrived. So I decided to go up Penny Ghent. It was only about six miles, I figured. I knew the path well and just put on my waterproofs because it was raining and off I went. I just needed to let a bit of steam off and let the wind blow through my hair. Well, it certainly did that. And when I got to the top of Pennygent, the mist was fairly low and there was no visibility at all. Because I just wanted a quick, easy walk, I hadn't taken any of my gear with me, no map, no compass, no water, no food, no phone. And as I was coming back down into the valley, I kind of looked around and thought, that's very strange, that doesn't look like where I should be going to. And I thought, well, maybe if I go just a little bit further, I shall find something of familiarity. Well, there was nothing, just an open moor travelling into the distance and a single track. And my heart started to sink within me how foolish I'd been, I thought, to leave all those things that would have guided me had I left them in the car and brought them with me. But instead, there I was. So I decided to turn back and make my way to a farmstead and there I would just have to ask them to help me. But just at that time, in the distance, I saw a white van coming towards me. And so, in my desperateness, I just flagged him down and climbed straight in next to him. It was a yodel delivery man. And he very kindly allowed me to come into his van, steam up all his window. He says, it's all right. He says, I'm just at the start of my two-hour window. Where do you need delivering to? (laughs) And so he took me on a detour of about 10, 15 miles back to Horton in Ribblesdale, where my car was. His name was Andrew. And as I drove back later that day up towards my friends, I reflected on the kindness of a stranger. He'd not only just met me in my need, but he'd also brought to me something I feel is a gift of life and just a tenderness of human compassion. And it's that tenderness and that human compassion that kindness of a stranger that is revealed to us in Luke's parable of the Good Samaritan. It's someone from outside the Christian community, someone who was despised by the elite, seen as unclean with regards to the law. But it was the Samaritan 
in the story that Jesus tells us that uses the gifts of the church. He tends those wounds with oil and with wine. God's gifts brought into being and into place through the outsider, the Samaritan. Samuel suggests to us the necessity of us inverting the normal social action reading of this story. Quite often we view ourselves as Christians or even the church as wanting to magnanimously help the poor. And sometimes I think that's perhaps because that makes us feel better. But what Samuel suggests, and I think what perhaps gives us a deeper understanding of something of the truth of what Jesus was trying to teach us, is that we are not that good Samaritan in the story, but that we are the one that is in the gutter. We are the one in need of those gifts of the church, the healing oil, the wine of remembering and reconciliation. And just as it was through the kindness of a stranger who rescued me, then it's also through the kindness of this stranger, the one who is despised and ostracized by the law, who brings in gifts of healing and of life. At the start of the service, Mike suggested this offers us a template for Christian living. Well, I believe that it does, but it's quite a challenging one. And it's one in which the church has a necessity of gifts from those outside the Christian community. And that the church is mutually dependent on people from outside the community, the stranger, the alien in our midst, in order that the church then may have those gifts of healing oil, of wine, in order that the church may be that place of reconciliation and justice and peace. The argument at the start of the Gospel reading is all about legalities. It's all about the elite trying to maintain their particular place of power and of privilege. The lawyer knew what Jesus' commandments were, but he was defiant to them. And Jesus, quietly through the telling of a story, subverts that power and privilege of the religious elites. And the power and the privilege of the elite and the elite within the church so needs disrupting. If anybody has had an ear towards general synod and conversations in the church will be 
mindful of the need we have of creating a church which is a safe place for all people. And I would suggest it's the very power of the religious elite that has led to the clerical abuse that has occurred and the silencing of victims of the abuse. The power and the privilege resting with those in authority so that the victims are not believed. So often within church we get caught up with procedures or finance or legalities where Jesus constantly tries to put before us an understanding of the kingdom of God where those who are traditionally viewed as outsiders become central to the outworking of the gospel message the widow's might, the Samaritan woman, the healing of the leper. We who have the power and the privilege, and I include myself within that as a white, educated, middle-class woman, as a vicar probably of status within my community, So how do we occupy our places of privilege? We need, I suggest, to be constantly aware and motivated to extend what I call the fringe of God's garment that those who are on the margins may find a place within the kingdom of God and those whose voice in the corridors of power have little autonomy over their lives, can be given voice. And what happens when we don't give those people voice? It was on June the 14th, 2017, that a fire broke out in a flat in Grenfell Tower. 72 people died that day. It was horrific. The people living in the tower had complained frequently to authorities over issues of safety, but their voice had never been heard. Their voice had never been heard within a system that privileges financial profits over safe and proper housing, care and provision. On Tuesday of this coming week, it will be 50 years since Apollo 2 landed on the moon. One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. It often seems incredulous to me that we can put a man on the moon and yet we fail to construct societies that are just unfair. But maybe also there is an encouragement there also, because in the imagination and the pioneering attitude of those who first went 
to the moon. So there's something there also that we can grasp hold of for ourselves. I wonder how Jesus would respond today to the question of who is my neighbour? Perhaps there is a question there and a challenge to us all. The conversation started about a question of eternal life. What must I do to inherit eternal life? The prophet Micah would say to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with you, my God. But the question is also answered to us in and through the kindness of a stranger, the outside one, the one despised, who brings us and the church those necessary gifts of healing oils and wine that we may drink deeply and live. Amen.